Monday, October 31st. It's Halloween, and superhero stuff you should know covers the Batman once again. This is Ben Man, and with me, as usual, is... <laughs> Drew Bat, everybody. I'm here, <laughs> and hopefully we punch that garlic face in the head. <laughs> yes. Whatever that mask was. I guess it was a shriveled it's, up pumpkin or something. It's a drop head. Drop head, yeah. Yeah, because of the, the drugs of the drops. Yeah. Which oh, yeah, yeah. You would think that would tip off the liquor store owner that that guy was up to no good, but I don't know. Anyway. This that is guy's the, not in the know, man. He doesn't know about the drop heads, what the kids are doing these days. I guess so. Uh, this is one of the rare times where we get to release an episode on Halloween Day. Woo! And yeah, since you guys seem to like it whenever we cover Batman concept art and the Batman is set during Halloween, we thought there'd be nothing more appropriate than to cover the unused concept art for the Batman, as well as get to talk about the movie a few months after the initial release. We're a few months removed from the, uh, you know, the, the honeymoon period, and we've had some more yeah. time to digest it, so we can talk a little bit more about other aspects that we might not have talked, to, talked about beforehand, now that we've you know, had it on HBO Max or available on you know, Blu-ray and stuff and been able to re-watch certain things. So uh, a lot of what we covered, or what we're about to cover, is in the art of the Batman book. But not everything. Some of it has been posted by the concept artists online. And while a lot of it seems to have made it into the final film, not all of it did. So we're going to dive into it. So <clears throat> here we go. We might as well just start off with a bang with the Riddler. Oh, yeah. Pretty close. Pretty close to what we got. This is designed by yeah. Glenn Dillon, who reportedly won an award for concept art for one of the concepts that I'm going to show later on. Uh, not for this one specifically, but... Uh, this is the Riddler, obviously very close to what we got here for the uh, aural listeners. We're looking at the same type of mask, <laughs> the, uh, the glasses, the, the jacket's different though. Um, and uh, we can see there's a, like a collar for the one on the right. And then the, you've noticed the, the question mark symbol is different on the right. It's got like a black question mark over like a white target type of thing, as opposed to the, uh, the one we got in the movie, which is close to what we got on the left over here. So... I mean, it makes sense that he'd have a question mark somewhere. I mean, come yeah, on. He has to. Yeah, like, come on. Yeah. So, yeah, they kind of took the idea of, like, well, there's a guy in a green suit with uh, a mask and question marks on it. How do we switch that up? So, obviously, this is inspired by the Zodiac Killer and sort of retains the general elements to it. Uh, now that Edward Nashton is known to be the Riddler. I am curious if we're going to see an evolution of this or if he ever does come back. Um, is it going to be something similar or is it going to be, you know, more of a, a green business suit type of thing? We'll have to see, I guess. Right. When it comes to this. Uh, outside of that, we got concept art of Gotham City from artist John McCoy. You'll notice that, like, unlike some of the 90s Batman stuff that we've covered, a lot of this stuff is pretty close to what we ended up getting uh, on right. screen. And I think a big part of that is the fact that they used VR in order to render uh, a lot of what we saw of Gotham City so that they could literally like make what they put on the page and bring okay. it to life on screen. So I think that's why like everything here, a lot of the stuff you're going to see is like, it's very close to what we got uh, in the movie, almost to, not to ridiculousness, but to the point where you're just like, oh man, like there really wasn't a lot of change. But I think we have an, a technological advantage here that we didn't beforehand. When you say it's a VR, what do you mean by that exactly? Uh, they use virtual reality to sort to, of render, literally create the uh, the landscapes uh, and stuff. So that um, one of the things that, yeah, like, I think they they created, I think, in 3D. Uh, and, and people who are in this field are going to know better than me. 
But I think okay. they they literally created a lot of this stuff in there. And then once they had it done, then they put it up on the screen um, for the actors to react to in the environment. So they weren't really in a green screen oh, type yeah. of thing. You know, like to do with it, Mandalorian and all that. Yeah, like in, in the volume, I think is what it's called. Uh, and stuff. Okay. So like they used that for this, which, you know, helped with making sure that some stuff was on the down low in terms of what they were shooting, as well as like just help render exactly what they had in mind up on the screen. I think it was Hitchcock had a quote about how he wishes that all you would have to do from the script is just like put it into some sort of machine and it would like spit out exactly the image that you had in your head when you wrote the script. <laughs> but we're going to we're going to get to that point. <laughs> we'll get to that. But this we're getting close to that with this. This is pretty I mean, close to that. Uh, we're like <laughs> Think about like the best graphics now. Mm-hmm. We're probably twenty five years or so from people, from v, uh, like CG, mm-hmm. truly being indistinguishable from actual actors. It's getting there, especially it's with going, deep fakes. Yeah, with deep fakes. Think about all that. So you'll be able to literally make a hundred percent real looking movie mm-hmm. uh, in CG essentially because everybody thinks oh it's CG it's gonna it's shitty well it's not gonna be shitty forever it's computers nope. man it's gonna yep. fucking keep getting better and better and better mm-hmm. yeah it's always gonna be an evolution we're gonna see some crazy fan films when that shit really oh yeah it's a fan <laughs> it's coming yeah it's coming yeah uh, we have a bunch of kids in Halloween costumes thanks to uh, costume designer Jacqueline Duran uh, and we got this one of the Drifter. Uh, Pattinson's very recognizable, well, not that recognizable in here, but you see more of his face as the drifter in this concept art. This is very, uh, it feels a bit rebel without a cause-esque in a way. Uh, He's got ripped jeans. uh, He's on his motorcycle. And you might notice up above him is Shrek's bar. Max Shrek? Somebody's got to call Daniel Waters. Uh, But yeah, I doubt that he had involvement. I think it's somebody's Easter egg into that. But uh, according to the art of the Batman book, which I have here and I read, uh, in preparation for this, the concept of the Drifter was not only inspired by Bruce's disguise from Batman Year One, but also inspired by the workwear of dock workers in Manhattan. Uh, so, again, trying to pull from the real as well as the comic at the same time. The dock workers in Manhattan, like modern day ones? Uh, potentially. Potentially. It, it didn't really specify like what time period, but I would think um, from these days. Okay. All right. Uh, so kind of contributes to more of the stuff we talked about in the historical and cinematic influences of the Batman episode, which you guys should check out if you haven't seen that yet. Indeed. Here's the drop head we talked about. Drop, it looked like a garlic or something. I don't know why I think garlic. <laughs> green garlic. It does yeah. kind of look garlicky uh, <laughs> in a way. Uh, so here's green gar- garlic, and we have what looks like, this is from John McCoy. <laughs> Instead of green um, goblin, it's green garlic. <laughs> green garlic. You can yes. smell them a mile away. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's right. He's the worst <laughs> ninja ever. I could smell you. That's how I knew. This is Batman. <laughs> so, uh, so Batman naturally is able to spell the Drophead, and this is the Drophead encountering Batman, which is not what we got in the movie. The Drophead just saw, sort of saw the darkness, assumed Batman was there, and ran off. But uh, we have sort of this alternate scene. I don't know if this is in the script or, again, some of the stuff in concept art, they're just playing around with shit. So, like, I yeah. don't think that this is actually from the script at some point. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, we have the gang who attacks the, the bank and puts graffiti on it uh, in more concept art here. Uh, and then, we, you know, we eventually get to some of the bat suit designs uh, that I wanted to get to. So, uh, Reeves does state in the Art of the Batman book that one of the influences is Lee Bermejo. 
on the bat suit. So He's the, one of the most uh, influential, right? Yeah, it feels that way. One of the most influential on this, definitely more so than David Mazzuccelli on Year One, where he basically looks like he's in, he's in cloth. You know, he's yeah, just in yeah. the the Halloween costume version of the bat suit. You would think, but this is right. like the armored look from it. Uh, he said he was specifically drawing from Batman Damned, which is another collaboration of uh, Bermejo with Brian Azzarello. Um, I ended up reading that recently just because it's somewhat Halloween-themed. It's got some Justice League dark characters in it, so you get to see cool. Lee Bermejo doing Dead Man, uh, Swamp Thing, uh, Constantine, Zatanna, and um, the Spectre. How do they look? Uh, they look pretty cool. Uh, actually, Swamp Thing is like... It's like a giant swamp thing. Um, I think... I mean, Constantine's... There's only so much you can read aside of Constantine. He's just a dude uh, on that. But uh, <laughs> the, the others the others look pretty cool. Uh, He's smoking Virginia Slims in this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is very clear that there's a visual influence uh, on it. There might be some story influences on it. Uh, there, there's a sequence where Bat, you know, the cops have found an unconscious Batman and they try to take his mask off and he fights them. So, like... That made it into the movie. Um, Bruce sort of dons a drifter-type costume on the streets uh, and stuff. And there's also a point where Batman walks into a nightclub-type setting because <laughs> Brian Azzarello reimagines Etrigan because Etrigan rhymes. So he's he's rapping in this nightclub <laughs> in Batman <laughs> Damned. So <laughs> it's not entirely <laughs> like just dark darkness. It's it's not completely it's, uh, dark. I will say there's this. some humor to it. <laughs> there's a, a little bit of it. It's more of just it's Azarello. It's set in the same world as like that Joker comic. Uh, so like you can see how like things got are like reimagined to be more gritty realism. So instead of like Etrigan the demon in the standard version, now he's like a guy who like raps in the concert and that that connects to his rhymes and stuff. Um, I think it's Zatanna who seems or comes across as like a street magician type, the one who like kind of does like the, you know, keep an eye on the card type of thing on the table, uh, (laughs) on the streets and stuff. Uh, So like everybody's reimagined to this really like gritty street type stuff. Personally, I'm just glad it was only mainly a visual influence on the Batman. I don't think the the the, the story itself I wasn't a big fan of, but Uh, uh, okay, like the it's it's cool seeing the Justice League dark characters. Uh, with Batman, but I, I'm I'm just kind of glad that the the main influence was Bermejo more so than actual uh, story elements and stuff. Okay, uh, it's also known for being the comic where you get to see Bruce's dick. Oh, that's certain, the one. In, yeah, in, in oh, certain yeah. in certain issues, it's no longer available in that on the DC Universe Infinite uh, copy. It's it's. Oh not man! <laughs> <laughs> no, you wanted to see it. They, so. <laughs> they have the- I should have like a uh, some sort of comic with him in Manhattan, <laughs> Dodger Manhattan, just swinging their dicks at and each measuring. other. Measuring, <laughs> literal dick measuring contest. I don't know. Manhattan's man. the think, one who doesn't care, though. I don't He's think just like what, the size of one penis does not does what not kind, to anything else in part of a man's personality. What kind of preparation will he take to win this one, dude? He's gonna. <laughs> It's gonna take some Yohimba mean and some fucking uh, horny order goat some, weed. Yeah, some uh, order some stuff from Sweden. Some Sweden <laughs> and some fucking some uh, that shit you get at the <laughs> wasp or whatever the hornet shit in uh, the gas station. You Wayne see that? Enterprise's latest product <laughs> for men everywhere. Some uh, Tonkat Ali. 
<laughs> if you will. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's Batman damned, everybody. Uh, Reeves does hint as well in the book that the suit is something, quote unquote, that could evolve over time. So I would expect us to get a uh, different bat suit in the next movie if he's going to stay true to that. They've evolved every single time. Why would you yeah, not exactly. think that? You know, there's never. I know. Every single movie, basically, right? Every bat suit's evolved for I better or worse. The only. <laughs> true. The only time that it, it was the same exact suit was The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, they kept yeah. the same suit yeah. from Dark Knight to Dark Knight Rises. I think that's the only time that there there was like mm. no redesign whatsoever. There was not <laughs> out of all the suits too <laughs> that they decided. To stick I know with. they keep this. <laughs> they keep the fucking sneaker. <laughs> like God damn it! <laughs> they knew they were gonna have to re ADR Bane's voice entirely. Also, I'm sorry, so. the budget's going to Tom Hardy's ADR. <laughs> ADR is twice. I'm just gonna have to stick to the same suit. God, I saw that shit in the Mission Impossible screening, man, and I was like, I, we walked out and we were like, you guys understood? <laughs> no. Oh, no, 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 like no, not a single person at our screening understood it. And then, anyway, we all yeah. know the story. Let's keep yeah. going. Uh, so let's take a look at some of the Batsuit stuff, which stayed pretty true, I think, to um, what we ended up getting. Uh, however, there's one that set the internet, yeah, a few people commenting on the internet, which is the one on the right, which due to the lighting, makes the bat suit look blue and gray. I think this is just a lighting thing for the concept art, though. I don't think this is something they actually considered. The thing uh, is, this. I mean, whenever you make concept art, I mean, look, we have to ask Flattery. You have to get him back on here yeah, to really know this process in and out. But as far as I can tell, from my purview, mm -hmm. uh, it's not everything is going to be written in stone, and they're, they're going to... You're messing around. Yeah, you're messing around and, like... Matt Reeves would be like, hey, give me 20. I need 20 designs. And then you narrow it down mm -hmm. from there, and then you get yeah. different varieties. And th so that'll help the director to visualize everything. So, yeah, some of them might be blue. And that's, that's maybe because the concept artist is a, is a fan of the comics. And it was like, mm -hmm. he's like, he, he, he paints it blue, and he's like, eh? 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 What do you think? How are we gonna do it this time? Yeah. How about how about this one? You know what I mean? So yeah, may, maybe that was the what they what the concept artist was thinking, but who knows if that was what Matt Reeves really ever wanted? It'd mm -hmm. be cool if he did, but you yeah, know, there's know. just the concept art. It's concept art, dude. You're trying to find your concept. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. it's just it's it's think it's it's like the very professional version of Pinterest. You know. <laughs> right. Your picture board, you know what I mean? So I need options to choose from, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure on this. Uh, I do like, on, on this aspect, the, the color of the blue, as well as, like, if you notice the chest insignia, the bat insignia actually has ears on this. Yeah, so, that is cool. Uh, I do like those. So maybe that's what his suit is going to evolve into in the I future. like it. Who knows? Yeah, it would be I really like sweet if they did that, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. Dude, uh, Alfred Alfred could literally say, "Blue blends in better with night." Because isn't that like oh, yeah. actually true? Like yeah, a dark blue. The, yeah, we've heard scientifically that that's the case. I think we've we've uh, discussed that possibility. But I, I need to look into the actual science, like the actual articles that say that. So uh, to verify, but I'm sure it sounds that's, good. That's a way to yeah, that's a way to to verify that. Bring it in, and then Bruce is like, "Hmm, dark blue." You know what I mean? It'd be so such a natural thing. Yeah, it fits in with his evolution, you know, he's being more of a symbol of hope. And also, you know, if this is going to eventually end up with uh, him and Robin fighting Joker, Penguin, Catwoman, and Riddler in a submarine <laughs> with him running around trying to stop the bomb, 
and stuff like in 66, then uh, it would be fun. Uh, but I, I, I don't think we're necessarily we're going to get that blatant of a 66 thing. But there's definitely a 66 nah. influence on this. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't need to go that way. Although it would be cool if there was a live action Bright Night again, not to step on Adam West's legacy, but right to have more in that vein at least if there, you know dc's got like 20 universes going on right now anyway <laughs> right so they let's could. add 21 so mm-hmm. yeah for sure uh we got here some concept art of the bat signal the behind the scenes speculation in the book actually from the people who who did this is is the idea that uh, you might have noticed that um the searchlight that's created for the bat signal has all those like <clears throat> those slits and stuff uh that's that's part of the searchlight uh the sort of origin they gave to it is, is that Gordon just kind of took a pair of snips and snipped away at those panels to create that bat shape out that's of cool. them, which is pretty cool yeah uh so that's kind of the replacement of you know kind of sticking the uh you know the whatever the stencil of the bat on top of the searchlight so I'm like oh that's pretty creative actually I like that so uh more from Jacqueline Duran of the different gang members that we saw in the beginning and here's another interesting thing, similar to the drophead confrontation, but we have the gang members in the train, but on top of the train is Batman. So mm-hmm. uh, we didn't get that. Again, could just be concept artists messing around. It's possible, you know, speculation-wise, that in the movie, after he's done changing into the suit in the bathroom, after he's put on all the black eye makeup, he then, like, goes up on top of the train. That's when he spots the gang members are targeting that one dude. So that's mm-hmm. a possibility, too. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we get the scene of the confrontation with the gang members through the rain. Again, like a lot of this stuff looks pretty close to what we ended up getting in the movie, right down to some of the lighting, even or the colors. And these, stuff. this is some of my favorite parts of the movie, man. Mm-hmm. This this opening, like fifteen minutes or so. Yeah. Yeah, the atmosphere. It's a big city. Mm-hmm. I can't be everywhere. You know, <laughs> like I'm just Fear like is a tool. I'm eating it up, dude. <laughs> I'm eating it up. In yeah, that, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. for sure. And and it's it's kind of cool to see this concept art and see like, oh, they pretty much just did that. Like they stuck to it a lot closer than what we've seen in the past. And I think a lot of it is due to the VR stuff we talked about. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, this is different though. Uh, so this is, uh, I think this is more because it's the costume design. This is more of the drifter on the motorcycle, as we'll see uh, Bruce take off and uh, drive back home to uh, Nirvana, something in the way in the movie, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Hey, dude, that's cool with me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hope he has. I'm not like, knocking it. Alice in Chains. Like, what if the first one's Nirvana, but then the next one he's got? Like, I'd like to be like grunt. Like, continue with the grunge, but the maybe grunge not Nirvana every time. In, yeah, something that ties in thematically with the movie each time. Fuck and yeah, so the dude. book ends it with his narration. You know. And you know what? Everybody knows I like metal and shit too, but I love grunge, and I would love there be a grunge renaissance. Let us know in the comments. You probably agree. I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> it's it sucks that it sucks that the the good stuff died, man. Yeah, the good grunge died out. But yeah, I'd, I'd love it to be playing as he's in. You know, he's rescuing people who've been caught in the flood type of stuff in the next one or something like that. Depending on when this is set with the next yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, there's so much you could do, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, we have seen some concept art of the Bat Caves before, which we covered, I think, in the Unmade Bat Caves and the Ranking the Bat Caves episode. Uh, but this is another look at concept art for the Bat Caves. What interests me here is, I guess, because of the fact that it's part from an like, abandoned terminal, you can kind of see, and Peanut here can see, Peanut. Uh, that uh, you can see kind of like the train station type thing over here with all the different windows and people overlooking that. So I think that's an interesting 
part that I don't think you can see in the movie. I think in the movie it's just like a staircase that leads up that indicates uh, you know where it goes. But um, this would be an interesting thing to adapt is like being able to see the Batcave from wherever that is over there. Yeah, that'd be so, cool. That's cool. Uh, this is Glenn Dillon's design for Alfred, which is pretty much what we got in the movie with the cane. Is just I don't think uh, Andy Serkis has facial hair in this concept art. So right, uh, they didn't know that. Maybe they didn't know that at that time. I guess. Yeah. So we'll see uh, if. Uh, I mean, I think that's going to be something that stays in. You know, I don't think his facial hair is going to change in the next one. But uh, right. it's it's interesting to sort of see the evolution uh, of this because it's the first time in a while that we've gotten uh, Alfred with. Um, with facial hair, with the exception of the bearded Alfred in uh, the Joker movie uh, and stuff. Right, in right, a, in right. In a Batman-specific movie, you know, it has not happened since uh, Alan Napier in the 66 movie. Right. Uh, we got John McCoy with images of the Iceberg Lounge. The art of the Batman book brings up that the origin of the Iceberg Lounge was that it was originally a fish company that occupied the space beforehand. Um, so I guess it kind of ties into Penguin a little bit. You know, penguins eat fish, that type of stuff. Definitely. Uh, they also played with the idea of a river flowing through the club, but I think they found that that was going to be too expensive. That's going to be <laughs> so much more in the budget, man. <laughs> that said, uh, you know, considering how like bogged down by water it is at the end due to the flood, maybe we'll see some form of that in the future, maybe in the Penguin show. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens with all that. Yeah, because I think Colin Farrell has revealed that the Penguin show is going to take place pretty soon after the Batman. So they're still going to be dealing with the flood, and obviously there's going to be a lot of the Iceberg Lounge if the show's all about the Penguin for that. So uh, yeah. that makes sense. Again, more of the nightclub fight uh, given to us by John McCoy here. Very close, again, to what we saw in the movie. Uh, and uh, the I mentioned before that Glenn Dillon got an award for the concept art. That was for the grappling gun uh, that comes out through the wrist stuff and into yeah, his hand. Cool. Um, we don't have the concept art itself here, but we have uh, images, photographs of the actual design uh, and stuff once it was made. So that's pretty cool, uh, I think. Or maybe this is concept art and it's just, it just looks like a photograph. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, just, it's really well done. <laughs> it's just really well done, actually, because I yeah. can see the signature on the bottom. So yeah. maybe I'm wrong on that. So we were talking about the Penguin, and I thought it'd be interesting to reveal. This is not in the art of the Batman book, but this was revealed by the costume designers online that originally they were playing around with Colin Farrell being Colin Farrell in his actual look. We have a okay. very thin Colin Farrell looking penguin here. It's still Colin Farrell, but he's got like the uh, cigarette holder thing and he's in a suit uh, by the billiards uh, table that's in Falcone's place. So this is really interesting that they were playing around with it. It seems like they're playing with the idea of like he's a thinner penguin who then, you know, might become more traditional later, kind of like in the Gotham TV show uh, or Telltale. Um, and it's interesting because there's been some criticism of the casting of Colin Farrell, with people bringing up that they could have just cast an actor who looked like that. But as we can see here, uh, it's mainly because he wanted Colin Farrell. Reeves wanted Colin Farrell, and they were going to make right. him work whatever it was going to be, whether it's going to be him being like looking more like Colin Farrell or with prosthetics like what we got because obviously they're playing around here with it just being Colin Farrell in this outfit with an umbrella as we're seeing here. Um, so that's part of it. The other thing is that I can't, I really can't imagine anything more boring than just an actual actor slap down, slap his tuxedo <laughs> on him and just call him the penguin. Like it's just <laughs> what if it was uh Annie Divide? <laughs> <laughs> you mean uh Richard Kind? I mean Richard Kind. What am I saying? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. 
Richard, the pro, first off, I don't think Richard Kind is going to pull off this with Penguin. I just, there's just yeah. no way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> second of all, uh, again, this is boring. Every live-action Penguin has had some form of prosthetic. Burgess yeah. Meredith did. Danny DeVito did. Even Robin Lord Taylor in Gotham, he had a prosthetic nose for mm-hmm. that role. Uh, even though it doesn't really look, it's not as exaggerated, but he still had like prosthetic makeup. So I'm just like, this character, he, you can't just throw Richard Kind or John Carroll Lynch, I think someone else proposed, in a, a tuxedo and just say, and just call it a day. I'm like, that's just super boring when it comes to this character specifically. Yeah. Especially after what we've seen. Maybe they just didn't know, the concept designers don't know what's going on with the, with the makeup with the prosthetic makeup. But then again, they're, they they got to have a concept mm-hmm. design for the prosthetic makeup. Oh yeah. 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 Also, no, I, I'm, so. I'm not criticizing the concept art itself so much as I am the idea that people were uh, proposing, which is I that, understand. Well, instead of, you know, instead of asking Colin Farrell, why couldn't you just get Richard kind or John Carroll Lynch? Cause I'm, and I'm just like, well, that's boring as fuck. <laughs> just, just have them in a tux <laughs> and then just say the lines and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, as we can see, it did eventually evolve into uh, Colin Farrell looking more like the traditional penguin that we got in the movie, which I think we're all glad about and stuff. So I, yeah. I think that works better uh, than that because we already saw the whole like thin penguin becomes you know the more traditional penguin in the Gotham show. They did not need to repeat that for the movie and, and stuff. So I think this is what they did was fantastic with the makeup, and I don't think anyone disagrees. Oh yeah. So got more concept art of Batman talking to Penguin in the office while Selina comes in. Uh, another angle here of that. All of these very well done, very much you know fitting yeah. in the atmosphere of what we got in the movie. You know, very close to what we got. Um, Selina's apartment is very much modeled after Year One. They looked at uh, David Mazzuccelli's art in that and and sort of modeled a lot of that from there, which is pretty red cool. light inside as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's pretty right cool. down to that. Uh, and then an- another look at the costume, Selena unmasked from Jacqueline Duran, as well as different looks with her in the mask. Uh, so we can see the jacket's a little different uh, on that, as well as the mask. In one, there's no, uh, there's no opening for the mouth. It's literally just the, the eye holes around the eyes. And then there's another one with uh, a hole for each eye and then another hole for the mouth, and that's it. <laughs> it's not what we yeah. got in the movie and stuff. We, hopefully we have a full-on cat woman costume in the next yeah. one mm-hmm. it's just been a while since we've had like a legit one and athway was cool but they were deliberately trying not to do the Catwoman. Thing. yeah and like they're worried about tone and stuff but but from from my money like have them wear like a costume and that's keeping with the same tone as whatever pattinson's wearing mm-hmm. same tone as even the batman realistic enough i guess but make it I don't know what I'm trying to say. Just make it a little bit more comic booky. Mm-hmm. Let's have a let's just have a more comic accurate Catwoman. But at the same time, you can do that, and you can not change the realistic tone at all, like the overall yeah, film think... tone. Just yeah, have the literally another co- person in a suit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just another person in a suit. You could still have it like a Zodiac kind of tone, because mm-hmm. it's the verisimilitude thing, right? Where yeah. if, if if that's just that world. That's that if people in this world wear costumes like this, it's mm-hmm. very similar to ours in every way, except for a couple. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's fine. Just do it like that. And if the thing is, like, if every other character in the movie a sort of just buys it or accepts it, again, that's part of the verisimilitude. It'll just mm-hmm. it's just it's fine. People just people are just so worried about uh 
the tone and the realism and all that and like with the costumes in particular like just don't worry about it man i understand that but i mean look at some of the most popular show like one of the most popular shows in the world known for having some sort of some sense of character depth and themes and all that type of stuff is game of thrones and house of the yeah. dragon right now like that's obviously not a realistic world at all with dra- fucking dragons and white walkers <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff and like yeah just because something's not realistic doesn't mean that uh it loses meaning or that suddenly things become cartoony and i think you know that that shows that there's proof of that and i don't think um you know just giving her a more traditional cow is going to uh to ruin that and i think that's something that's planned. I'd be more worried, I think, if it was just like, yeah, this is just the Catwoman suit and that's how she's going to look for the rest of the series. But they specifically say uh, in a lot of the behind-the-scenes interview as well as in the Art of the Batman book that she is not uh, Catwoman yet in this, which is interesting because I'm like, well, what else is going to make her Catwoman? Just the suit? Because she's pretty much there in terms of her own character. She's, a, she's about there. Maybe she'll just have a turn where she's like, I got I to gotta be wearing more of a suit and I got to learn to really use this whip. Yeah, yeah, more. but I would anticipate that we're going to get a more formal Catwoman cowl at some point. Maybe not necessarily in the next one, um, but I would hope in the next one. I mean, look, there's a lot that's been said about how this is an evolution, and we haven't really gotten to see how that's paid off yet because that's being saved for other stuff. So I'm I'm really curious to see them put the money where the mouth is. Oh, way. yeah. You know, I like, think, okay, I, make mm-hmm. it an evolution. Let's see that evolution. I think what I'm trying to say is like you you can have your cake and eat it too. Yes. In this sure. scenario, yeah. you can have kind of comic booky costume in a very realistic zodiac world. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it'll be fine. Yeah. You know? No, totally. Yeah. Uh let's see we got Selena on the motorcycle that we got here. Uh another shot of Selena's motorcycle and then uh, more shots with Batman following her uh like when he follows her back to her apartment later on. Uh, after the apartment, they find out that uh, Police Commissioner Savage has been murdered, and so Batman visits Commissioner Savage's body at the morgue with Gordon. Now we have a slightly different-looking Gordon here. He does not even have the glasses uh, on this. Uh, so he's got a bit of a different look here from what we got from Jeffrey Wright in the movie, and uh, some of the looks of Gordon in the concept art do recall some of the reports early on that the first choice for Gordon was not actually Jeffrey Wright. It was Blade himself, Mahershala Ali. Oh, wow. Uh, on this. Okay. Uh, so, and at first I thought, like, well, he seems a little young. And then I looked up the ages. So here's some trivia that I found out. Uh, Mahershala Ali is already older than Gary Oldman was uh, in Batman <laughs> Begins, but by one year. Mahershala okay. Ali is 48. Gary Oldman was 47 at the time of Batman Begins. Uh, Jeffrey Wright God. is 56. Oldman was 54 in The Dark Knight Rises. So Jeffrey Wright, who's playing Lieutenant Jim Gordon, is actually older than Commissioner Gordon in The Dark Knight Rises. Damn. But we don't know because these guys age great. <laughs> so Black don't you know, crack, man. We all know crack. Sci- <laughs> scientific uh, facts here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it just didn't occur to me. I'm, I was like, oh. Well, I guess he's not as young as I thought, but Jesus. Uh, you got to moisturize, man. I've been yeah, doing that no. lately. You got to moisturize the face, gentlemen. Most of yeah. our audience is guys. So <laughs> remember, the morning yeah. and night. Mm-hmm. It's not so, gay, it, it all right? Off. And even if it, it was off. gay, who gives a shit? <laughs> uh, another shot of uh, Batman and Gordon in the morgue. Uh, and then after that, that's when uh, Batman recruits Selena. And this is the this is concept art literally of the look at me scene. 
Dude, when he this, so this is like a CG render, like pretty hyper realistic CG render. Yeah. Right? This is I mean, like look a how close this whole, looks to the movie. Yeah. This is a whole new ball game when it comes to concept art. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, this is close, man. This is yeah. pretty close. Yeah, this is what amazes me about the concept art for this specific episode is is like it, things are just not that far off from what we saw. It, it almost looks like we're seeing a still from the movie at first glance. I know? think that's that might have been that's like Reeves's style maybe. I don't know. I maybe see some it's of the his style other movies. plus yeah, his, the ability to to do that nowadays. Yeah. That we probably couldn't yeah. back in 89 yeah. when we were looking at that concept art. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we got the city hall where the mayor's funeral takes place. Uh, and then, of course, that all goes to shit when the car crash happens. Again, like, this looks pretty close to what we got. Almost exactly. <laughs> that's cool, man. You visualize yeah. so well. Yeah. So that's great. It just goes to show that, like, they pulled off everything they wanted to do visually with this movie. So, like, no matter what you think of this movie, you got to give them props for being able to do that because that is a tough thing to do. To take what you really want in your mind and to put that on screen is just, it's a lot harder than what it seems. Uh, and you don't really realize oh, that until yeah. you have to do it, until you're in yeah. production. For so, sure, man, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so after this, we do have concept art of what looks like a deleted scene from the movie. And we'll cover that after the break. Just wanted to announce that I have a new podcast called Gaming Gaiden. It's about retro gaming. It's a lot about Japanese to English translation in this first season. It will be 10 episodes each season. First season will be dropping soon, much sooner than Amono Recon. The co-host for this one will be Mike Torres. If you saw the ranking, every Superman video game two-parter we did here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you have seen Mike before. So yes, if you like video games, if you've been interested in Japanese ever, we're going to be talking a lot about just Japan in general, Japanese cultural differences as well, and we also are going to have a lot of talk about 90s video game magazines such as Electronic Gaming Monthly, aka EGM, so stay tuned for that. So please be on the lookout for Gaming Gaiden Podcast coming soon. Ellen, in 15 seconds, what is Nice Games Club? It's our game dev podcast. Steven, help! Game mechanics, accessibility, art and animation, level design, prototyping. Everything that goes into making video games. How's that, Mark? Nice. Listen to Nice Games Club wherever you get your podcasts or at nicegames.club. Need some adventure in your life? What Mad Universe is a podcast where two guys delve into the history of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, and the impact it's had on pop culture. Everything's the same politically, but we have ray guns. The the actual motive isn't to explore something that's, quote, yeah. scientifically possible. Or... But neither is Star Wars, and I know there's Shh. arguments about that, but I would definitely consider Star Wars science fiction. You haven't it's... read Dune! You have, no, I haven't. You can never be the Kwisatz Haderach. What Mad Universe on the HyperX Podcast Network. What's that? majestically cresting the horizon as it makes its way into port. Why, it's the brand new HyperX Armada monitors, mounts, and arms. Both the HyperX Armada 25 and 27 gaming monitors come bundled with a sturdy HyperX Armada mount and arm. If you need every split second of advantage when gaming, the Full HD Armada 25 and its 240Hz refresh rate are for you. If you like to soak in the graphical majesty of your gaming, you'll be eyeing the Quad HD Armada 27 with an 165 hertz refresh rate. Set sale for HyperX.com or Amazon.com to start making your display armada. 
HyperX has refined their lightweight Cloud Stinger headset and now proudly presents the evolved Cloud Stinger 2. It still keeps the same rotating ear cups, swivel to mute microphone, and comfort, but now adds two years of premium DTS headphone X activation. Get even better in-game audio and a number of other refinements for the low, low price of $50. Available now at HyperX.com. You're listening to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. And we're back, and we're going to cover a possible deleted scene found in these concept arts. So uh, we've talked about this before, but in the movie, Coulson crashes the funeral, has the riddle for the Batman, then it cuts to nightfall when Batman arrives. And uh, as we covered in the, uh, I think we covered this in the historical and cinematic influences episode, but uh, there's been this shot that ends up in the trailer. It's on the poster. It's in production stills of Pattinson's Wayne walking out of the funeral carrying a bag. And this bag, presumably carries the bat suit and has a further... soul in it oh wait that's pulp fiction <laughs> yes and he opens it up and it just bathes him in, in glow <laughs> no outside of his soul or maybe symbolically it's his soul it's the bat suit oh, and the yeah. reason why yeah we might know that is because of this concept art that we have here of batman in the funeral attire what looks like he's opening up the back and there's the batman cowl so I think what happens here is he sees that shit's going down in the funeral. Everyone's panicking and running out, but he's going into his car to change. And I'm not jealous of him having to basically change into the bath suit in that small of a car. <laughs> yeah. So. It's worse than a phone booth, man. <laughs> so at least Clark has super speed, you know, to kind of make that a good I thing. Know, but man. Uh, poor Bruce, especially just how uh, intricate that looks like to get into. So no wonder it's nightfall by the time that uh, he shows up. But uh, th this was cut from the movie, uh, and he ends up confronting uh, the Riddler over, you know, virtually and stuff, and Coulson ends up blowing up, and Batman's sent to uh, the GCPD to recover. Uh, here's this shot of Batman talking to Gordon. Again, Gordon, Gordon almost looks like Sterling K. Brown in this, in this concept art uh, mm -hmm. over here, who also probably could have been a, a decent choice. Actually, uh, yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, so. Especially because the MCU is not going to do anything with him anymore. Like he, he was basically in five minutes of Black Panther to get killed off. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because yes. Michael B. Jordan's dad. His father. Yeah, that was yeah. a good scene, though, man. Yeah, no, it, it was good. Yeah. Uh, Batman escaping headquarters again. Look how close this is to what we saw in the movie. <laughs> this is exactly. Yeah, this is great. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I know we said this is going to be the unused concept art, but a lot of this is just a revel in just how close he got it to the concept art compared to what we've seen in the past. Um, and so we've got concept art here of the wingsuit that made it into the movie, and, and it looks realistic for flight suits and evokes the early Golden Age Batman glider cape that we talked about. But if we see, as we see in the other concept art, we could have gotten something more traditional, like what we saw in Batman Returns and the Dark Knight trilogy, where uh, the okay. cape itself is the glider. This is, we talked about this before, like, mm -hmm. I've, I'll be brief if we have, but I prefer this. I wish they had done this. I, it's, it'd be cool if it's going to be an evolution. I'll I think take, that's the idea. I'll take this comment back if it becomes that, because the squirrel suit looks, it's a flying squirrel suit. I know it's more realistic and whatnot, mm -hmm. but this is, again, like, it's a guy in a bat suit, dude. And I'd like that what you do in the Arkham games and stuff with the kind of hang glide move like Dark Knight. I just prefer that look, and this mm. is this is uh, 
way more my speed. I think what you you were you were pretty accepting of the of the flying I, squirrel. I accepted it, but I think it's another thing that we talked about with the evolution, right? So yeah. uh, first off, we have this in concept art. We have this in concept art. They're going to do the that they were thinking of the glider cape that we've seen yeah. before. So that's part of it. I think I was also accepting of it because of the fact that we had seen the glider cape before. Yeah. So something that was slightly different was was fine to me, especially considering like the more iterations you do of Batman, the more you have to like kind of re-justify yourself in terms of like why are we doing this again, uh, yeah. which Reeves has said before. Uh, I, the will, other aspect, I will. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. The, the well, other aspect for evolution, sorry, uh, the other aspect for evolution, real quick, is is the fact that uh, it does not end well. It does not end well. It does get him to escape from the police department. So it does work. It just does not end well for him because he crashes, which hints to me that it's deliberately supposed to be there. It's deliberately supposed to kind of be faulty so that he can perfect it later. That's my theory on that. I, I, I think that's what it is. I give it to you on that because if we wouldn't have that kind of cool scene of him being like scared shitless to use it, and it's mm -hmm. cool to see Batman... That's like one of the cool things about Batman, right? Is that he's he's human, like everybody says. But yeah. th what that means also is that he's he's like not immediately super powerful, or mm -hmm. there's a learning curve. He gets fucked up, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he's not Bat God here, as we can see, because he's fucking he's scared shitless to use this. It kind of feels like he might have tested this once in an open field, <laughs> right? But, but never, not here never in the city. In the city. <laughs> Right? right, I don't think he ever tested it in the city. That's the feeling you get mm -hmm. when you watch it, which yeah. is kind of cool. So I give it to you, but just aesthetically, <sighs> but yes, I, I don't think also aesthetically. This is, I think, even they agree it's more pleasing because just look at the, just look at the concept art here. Oh, see, this it's is what you need right here. Yeah, uh, this is. I mean, in a way, it looks like it's right out of Batman Begins too. But but still, and if I we think get a slightly blue suit with gray. But the fucking <laughs> and the glider, yeah. you know, like that would be the shit, man. I'll say this too, where I wish we did see this in the movie, uh, but not in that sequence. I wish we saw the actual evolution because, again, it's like we've been told it's an evolution, but I, I honestly don't think it's quite there in the movie that it's that obvious outside of his own character arc. He's got like an yeah. interior character arc that Batman's going to become more of a symbol of hope, but. We don't necessarily see these characters evolve visually into what we more traditionally see. He doesn't evolve into a more comic book looking bat suit. Selena doesn't evolve into a Catwoman suit. Penguin doesn't evolve into a more comic book looking penguin, and neither does Riddler. You know, like th there's not really a visual representation of the evolution into the traditional yet. And we could have had that if, like, say by the end, he's already in that big stadium. The Riddler copycats are all more spread out. He has to go from one place to the other. Now's the time to test the new version. He jumps off, then he glides. And this time, he does not crash. That would and be that's sick. that's the evolution. You've had time to think about this, huh? You've been thinking about this? Been I've been thinking a lot of... I've been thinking a lot <laughs> specifically about the third act of the Batman 2. Oh, because yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people's issues... First off, I do... Like, everything that I said about the movie the first time that we reviewed it, I stand by it. I don't think I've really changed uh, about it. I do acknowledge its flaws. However, I think a lot of the flaws that people bring up are overblown, and I think a lot of people make shit up these days. I think film criticism is close to dead at this point, thanks to the internet. But uh, some of the valid <laughs> criticisms... Black Adam, 90%, baby! <laughs> I, think, I think some of the criticisms, certain criticisms could have been addressed with just another rewrite of the... Basically, everything 
from the arrest of Falcone onward. Could have yeah. been streamlined further, could have been rewritten in ways that would have demonstrated Batman's detective work a little more. And I can go a little bit more into it if we have time uh, after this. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. I've, I I've thought about this. Yeah, I would, I've thought about this a lot in terms of just like, what is off about this? And I think I realized what it was more It's the third act. Everybody knows that. But it anyway, really we'll is, get to really it. really the third act. And even like before the third act too. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys know. I'll save it to the end. We'll get to stuff. it. Uh, but anyway, um, this is bad. Again, another stir shot of the glider. Just look how good this looks. Again, oh man, have him yeah. glide at the end to stop the Riddler copycats. Like that just shows, like, yeah, this is a Batman who evolves and learns from his mistakes. And if we he have anybody, like that. if Mass and Tomlin or somebody out there is actually listening to this, because who knows these days, dude, mm-hmm. with get Sam Hammond shit on here. But like, mm-hmm. if you're actually in the screenwriting game, writing superhero movies, we're just jackasses on the internet. Well, <laughs> we're but. At least we're trying right, not to be just jackasses try- on the internet. Not ju- we're trying to not just be One that. of us has a movie he's working on. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you got your screenwriting stuff you're doing. But, um, you know, you probably already know this, but let's just talk about it anyway real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, there should be some emotional thing that kind of sets up, like, the character arc. Whenever there's an internal change, then we get the external change with a new suit or something. That way it's more accepting to the audience and shit or, like... Mm-hmm. It all go back to the emotions, right? Or like, how would you? Well, maybe we have to say this for after, man. But like, I'm maybe jumping the head here. But like, so you have an evolution from squirrel suit to this. Is there any kind of internal thing you would do, or, or I not don't know. in relation to this one? Okay, really. I wouldn't say really in in relation to the suit. It just kind of shows that the tech evolves because that's kind of really what it. It, it's supposed to demonstrate, right? Like, it, yeah. it, it's inspired by Earth One, where like he pulls out the grappling gun in like the first page or so, and it just it malfunctions right on the spot, and then eventually like it doesn't anymore. It's like, that, trial and error. So he's just learning trial and error, which is it's good. The trial enough. and error thing. Yeah, yeah. It but just if shows there's that a, he learns from his mistakes. If there's a whole <clears> new suit, maybe it's Alfred saying something. But like the one of the best ways, I don't know how you do it, but some sort of emotional tie-in with the suit. I think you it's what, I mean? what was talked about at the end. With him being a symbol of hope, where yeah, he can't yeah. be fear anymore, and so maybe that's why, like, the suit uh, might look different in the next one. And so instead of like, uh, I'm hopeful the next, I mean, they can just we'll, we'll just put this out there because I think I said it already in the Patreon, but like, it's the bat signal shining in the opening again. It's another journal entry, but instead of people, all the criminals being afraid of the bat signal, it's the citizens of Gotham, and it sort of instilling hope that they're being protected and stuff. It, yeah, and instead yeah. of Batman going out and beating the shit out of criminals, it's Batman saving people. Like it's, right, it's pretty right. much like addressing like, okay, now I'm the symbol of hope. Now what? What's the next challenge? And yeah. stuff. So it kind of reestablishes the, um, the status quo of Batman uh, while also showing the evolution from the previous movie. Because again, like if they got to put their money where their mouth is when it comes to the evolution stuff. Cause like it's, it's all in the interviews, but it's not necessarily in the movie yet. It's only really in the right. movie. If we see it in the context of the other films we <laughs> the have Bat- not seen yet. <laughs> so the, the police are coming after uh, whoever the Batman fucked up on your end. I feel <laughs> yeah, like. They're coming after. Yeah. <laughs> they're coming <laughs> after me. I got to glide out of here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. But, uh, here's, here's Batman waiting for Gordon at their uh, remote location. Uh, okay. It was an interesting change in the comics to not have it at the GCPD headquarters, but I think given how corrupt the police department is, it's it made sense for them to not have for them to kind of have their own secret 
uh, hideout on that because it threw me at first. I'm just like, it's not at the GCPD headquarters, but then I'm just like, well, the fucking police is corrupt right now. Why would you right. put it, like, why would you put the bat signal in, you know, it'd be like putting it right over Arkham or something, you know, like, why would you do that? So that's uh, true. It made sense. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Unless um, Gordon just has like complete and total control over that roof. And yeah, no one else but he's, can he's just a up. lieutenant right now. Yeah. Oh, like that he's is commissioner. true. Yeah. When he's a commissioner, then they can move. That's right. That's a, that's a good detail. Evolution. Keep it, keep in mind. <laughs> Evolution. Yeah. Yeah. We we move to the police to the police roof. Yeah, I, I run this fucking uh, department now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what, the Maybe one that's fucking the PC thirteen. Commissioner Gordon going. I run this fucking place. <laughs> you you know Jeffrey Wright is going to kill that line. You know? <laughs> I run this fucking place. <laughs> so it's great. Like I've I've met Jeffrey Wright as well, and. Not to fucking like bring up people I meet up all the time, but I just for to say something good about people. He's mm-hmm. fucking cool too. Like Dolph Lundgren, nice. you're fucking. These are good people, dude. Not every not every celebrity is a piece of shit. They're actually mostly most of them pretty pretty cool. And Jeffrey he Wright's does one seem of like them. He's, he's real cool. chill. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's not only my favorite Gordon, but he's also becoming one of my favorite. Batman voices because he does the voice of Batman in the uh, HBO Max Batman the Audio Adventures which yeah. I know originally I told you it was like eh, this is not for me but then I, I revisited it I really liked it more the new season is out uh, in honor of Halloween because it's got Bradley Whitford as the Scarecrow yeah. the voicing the Scarecrow it's it's way better than, than the first season he's great in it as Batman Jeffrey Wright so not only is he a great Gordon but he's also a great Batman so it's just not fair dude he's playing he's playing two great you know characters takes on these characters at the same That's time cu- he's such a good guy though man I mean yeah that too yeah he's great I mean, I mean it whatever is success yeah, I know. I, I'm saying it is fair. It's just I'm just saying it's not fair yeah. in the sense that you know <laughs> so he gets many. to do two great, you know, so many great ones at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I yeah. He is. He's I mean, awesome, in a complimentary man. way, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> it's after this that Batman and Gordon go to follow Penguin's drug ring at Gotham Recycling, and the Art of Batman book covers that uh, sort of how this drops drugs business actually works. I don't think it's actually described in the movie. But it says that it's at the recycling plant because they distribute drugs through the dumpsters and the trucks distribute them throughout the town. I don't know the details wow. of how that works, but clearly they've thought that shit out. Did they ever yeah. say anything about what the drops were? To me, it kind of felt like it was like LSD in eye drop form. Yeah, that's what it seemed like because it, obviously it's not cocaine based off of uh, <laughs> no. you know, based off of how they were acting. It's a downer, right? Yeah, it looks like they were downers. Yeah, so, yeah. So like that, that's probably what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the art of the Batman also says that Boss Maroney died, but that's not really verified in the movie. They just said he was captured, so it might have just been a goof uh, on the uh, on the writer's part. It's it's described that way by the writer of the book, not by somebody from behind the scenes. So I think that was just a, a typo or mm-hmm. a, a mistake. We've now reached the part with one of our favorite Batmobiles. The so best. one of the best. One of the best. Uh, it does seem that, just like the theme for the rest of this, that we do not really have a lot of unused Batmobile designs to go over like we did with the, uh, you know, like with Tim Flattery, because yeah. they wanted this from the beginning. This Matt Reeves is like <laughs> Christine, motherfucker. <laughs> exactly. He wanted from the get-go to do uh, Christine from the Stephen King novel and the John Carpenter movie as the Batmobile. And it's it's honestly one of my favorite takes on... Just, just that idea. Just, it just solidifies, as I said before. Like you got to have a take 
on all these different things. And clearly, there's a take here on the Batmobile. I want to see more of this. I want to see more Christine-inspired scenes uh, and stuff on there. But um, Dude, horror car, horror car type yeah. of shit. Yeah. A, a perfect take because you got the suit supposed to inspire fear and criminals before he's hope mm-hmm. and shit, right? Yeah. And like the the Batmobile as well uh, should do that same thing. So that's 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 cool. Like you know, same strategy with the suit and the yeah. car. Yeah, like it, there's almost if if you see Christine the first time that Christine goes after somebody, it's almost Reeves doesn't completely copy it, but it, it's slightly beat for beat of what how Penguin first sees the Batmobile because it's just <laughs> person the car, person the car. What's the car going to do? Person, the car, then the car starts up and starts heading towards the guy, and the guy's like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> and then, that's basically what it is. But it, it works so well in this. And um, one of the things they pointed out was just the fact that it's the, the Batmotif is subtly there. There's still something to it when you see it, where it is a Batmobile because of like the kind of subtle like wings that are on the side there. But if you look at it from a bird's eye view, as you can see here, they say that it kind of makes it have the shape of his cowl in a way with the ears and stuff, mm. which you can see here uh, for a little bit. So that's cool. I like that more than the like extremely subtle bat with the wings folded thing on the tumbler that we talked about that before. That was just... <laughs> it seemed like that was reaching. Yeah, that's reaching. That's, that's <laughs> A for effort, I guess, but not <laughs> right. my thing. Yeah. Not my we diagnosis. Like this this yeah. is our uh, yeah. This is this is the closest to like an alternate design that we have here, and even then, it's still the muscle car type of thing. So, it's it's very close to what we it's ended up getting. Sleeker, right? Yeah. It's that's yeah. this is what what I've been wanting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, this is one of our favorite Batmobiles since I would say the uh, you know the Tim Burton one. You know, oh, it's, yeah, it doesn't beat easily. the Tim Burton one, but it, it's it's still up for, especially these days when like Dude. you have the shadow of the Burton one and the '66 one. Like for this to make it up there in our rankings was it was a miracle. Flattery, forgive me. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I, Tim. I just <laughs> real, we we just we like this one more than. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> You were fucking awesome. He might agree. He might agree. Forgive uh, us. You you had you had studio mandate probably too. So yeah, yeah, and Tim yeah. Burton. We, he gave us that whole uh, yeah. He gave yeah. us the whole story on that with, with Schumacher. So yeah. Uh, this is John McCoy's concept of the interrogation of Penguin, and you can kind of see. It's hard to see it from here, but uh, if you look very closely, uh, Penguin's got the more beak type nose from the tradition. You can kind of see it in the silhouette cool. form of that. So like that's kind of cool. Uh, from that, and then we got Batman arriving at the orphanage, a specific shot shot we did not get in the movie uh, of him just kind of being outside of it, waiting to come in. Probably waiting on Gordon, because Gordon's car probably is not nearly as fast as the Batmobile. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, Batman right. then alone inside the broken down orphanage, which looks pretty creepy here. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's here that he discovers that Bruce Wayne is the next victim, and then he drives back home, where Alfred is caught in the explosion. Now, I just want to address one specific criticism I've heard that I think is kind of up in the air, which is that people have said that Alfred has looked over Riddler's writing so much that why would he open the package that has Riddler's writing on it? Uh, That would cause the explosion. However, I don't think the explosion is actually caused by opening the package. There's no tripwire or anything like that. It, It could be done by a timer. I don't know. But 
The thing is, him opening the package allowed him to see the fire, basically the clue that it was a bomb, which enabled him to throw it out. So you could argue that him knowing that it was Riddler's handwriting was actually what saved his life, not something that actually endangered him. But I think it's up in the air in terms of what caused the bomb to come on, to, to be set off. I this is news to me. I didn't know this. This was an issue with the fans. But Some people have brought that up. They're just like, why would Alfred even open it? I'm just like, eh, technically, it's because he opened it that it saved his life. So, huh? Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, on that, it could have it could have worked if there was like a line in the hospital room and stuff where he's like, how did you know it was? You know, it, it wasn't. Yeah, and then, you know, have Alfred describe the fact where it's like, well, I knew it was Riddler's handwriting, but I didn't want to endanger you and stuff, so I had to make sure, even if I had to take the bullet for you. Like, something like that, just to sort of address, you know, the the potential holes in that. But again, it's not something that bothered me in the viewing. It's just something that other people brought up. And when I watched it, I'm just like, is this legit, or is there something here that, uh, you know, people just aren't getting? And to me, I'm just like, well, it arguably is what saves his life. Because otherwise, he would have just been right over the desk and the thing would have blown up. Interesting. So, okay. That's my take on it. So <laughs> Reeves wins again. To me, Reeves wins on that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Mattson Tomlin. Who was the main writer? Uh, Peter Craig. Peter Craig. Also yeah. co-writer on Top Gun Maverick, our favorite movie this year. Woo! So, yeah. Uh, one of five writers on that movie. But and McQuarrie yeah. came in with a rewrite, though. Yeah, that's what More we More than think. likely. Yeah. Uh, so John McCoy did this concept art of Bruce looking in on Alfred's hospital bed. Again, this looks like a still from the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this is pretty much what we got. Uh, another shot of Batman looking over the city in the rain at night. In the meantime, we see him looking over the city is when it's like at dawn when he meets with Selena. So um, I thought this is cool to kind of see. I think this is kind of, I don't think it was meant to originally be on a rainy night. I think this is just general concept art of Batman looking over the city. But it's just standard. here. Standard yeah. concept art. Batman in the yeah. rain looks fucking sweet. It's yeah. uh, it's just it how, it, how it goes. I think they they chose Dawn. To me, that reads like, you know, what uh, color palette has Batman really not been in a whole lot? We got night. Yeah. We had mm-hmm. day and Dark Knight Rises. Fucking Dawn, bro. Like, there's just a lot of Dawn. It in did it. make it look really. It, it looked gorgeous. Like that yeah, shot, that cool. first shot from behind him where he's looking out of the city. And then I'm just like, you know what? Like that looks new compared to if it's just another, you know, another shot of him looking over the city, which is what we see here, you know? Yeah, it was a, it was a way to make it different. I don't know if there was really too much else to that decision, but yeah, it's yeah. cool enough. Yeah, I think so. Um, the concept art of the kiss with Selena. Mm-hmm. Uh, over here, <laughs> pretty much what we got to, uh, and then below that looks like another look at concept art of, of uh, Batman doing the whole "look at me" scene from earlier mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, now, what we have here is interesting. This looks like concept art of Falcone's place. Now, Falcone's hiding place is apparently meant to be under a bridge. I think you uh, mean evil lair. <laughs> yes, <laughs> his evil lair, his evil hideout and headquarters <laughs> is under a bridge, which makes sense. That the iceberg lounge is under the bridge anyway. And this is inspired by real life, apparently. It's inspired by Robert Moses and the Triborough Commission, where there was a legend that Moses had an office beneath a toll plaza in the bridge. And as the money that people put in for the tolls came in, it went through like a tube in the guy's office and stuff. So this is kind of what inspired that. So that's another historical influence that we can add to the many historical influences that we talked about in that episode. 
So that's one thing. But another thing that you might notice is that uh, Falcone's the, the bald guy on the left here, but on the right is Bruce Wayne, and it's not Bruce Wayne in like the T-shirt and jacket like in the movie. He's in a full-out suit. He's in a traditional Bruce Wayne outfit in this concept art. Again, I, I think this is just because it's concept art, and they're just kind of playing around with it, but it does make me wish... I would have liked to have seen, just in the influence of us talking about the evolution of the character, I think it would have been cool to see him in this Bruce Wayne outfit at the very end. Not in, like, the funeral. Not in, like, a, like, random party scene just for him to show up for, you know, appearances sake. But have him actually show up at the end because I realized that at the end of the movie, and maybe I'm skipping a little ahead with the whole, like, stuff with the third act, it's all of the whole movie is about how the money that, Thomas Wayne set up the renewal fund did not get to the intended people and that there was corruption. There is not really a resolution to the fact that that was revealed. So I'm just like, well, wouldn't it make sense for Bruce Wayne's debut, especially after this flood, to reinstate the renewal fund the way it should have been, which is to make the money go towards the people who need it, especially the victims of the flood. And mm -hmm. wouldn't that have been a nice revolution to see Pattinson go from the you know sort of Kurt Cobain inspired look that he had beforehand, to evolving into the more traditional Bruce Wayne look at the end. He doesn't have to act again. He doesn't have to be Playboy, Christian Bale, drunk douche uh, at this point. Just a different look at the end. Oh, sort of symbolizes yeah. that's happening. Yeah, he's at least uh, giving somewhat of a shit. Right. It, it's yeah. it's a, it'd be a little similar to what happened in Black Panther, where like Killmonger just opens T'Challa's eyes about what's going on. And so, like, in a way, like, Kill, Killmonger's methods weren't great, but, like, he was right overall, and so T'Challa moves on from that and tries to set things right uh, in his own way. It's a similar thing here where, like, Riddler was right that the renewal fund was not going to the right people and that the whole system was corrupt. He just was trying to kill everybody in order to get there. Bruce, in the meantime, is just like, well, I'm just going to fix that. So, like, that's, that's a small thing that I think they... Uh, could have had at the end and maybe they it's, did and they just had to cut it but it's you know. good it's a good idea i just hope hopefully they don't do like this mcu hulk thing where like <laughs> it's all, all, this, all, all this evolution happens in between movies i know and like yeah. he's wearing a suit in the first scenes of the batman 2 like no. if we that we should have it we should do your idea but have uh him looking like a bum still uh, in the first first act or so. Right, or at least in the funeral outfit, you know? Yeah, the funeral outfit. And then we, uh, you know, see the evolution happen throughout that movie, and we see the hope idea kind of um, permeate his DNA more and more. Right, yeah, because I don't yeah. need him to be the Christian Bale uh, playboy. I don't need the Ben Affleck, like, I like those shoes type of, like, aspect of Bruce Wayne, but I do think burnout this, that <laughs> I do think that this version is heading towards philanthropist Bruce Wayne, just given the sheer amount of like, well, the renewal fund didn't go to anybody. And you know, the future mayor telling him like, you don't seem to be doing anything to help the city with philanthropy. I'm like, I think the evolution is towards philanthropist Bruce Wayne, not the like playboy Bruce Wayne. Who's always going to parties with supermodels on his side. I don't think we're necessarily going to see that, but mm -hmm. like the philanthropist, aspect of it i think that's what this is heading towards Ho hopefully it yeah. seems like they're really competent people on this series so yeah mm -hmm. um yeah hopefully so yeah hopefully so uh this is again john mccoy doing the bedroom of bruce wayne the childhood bedroom uh one of the main references for sort of the interior was the documentary gray gardens about a uh, decaying new york mansion and so i think that's why wayne tower 
the interior of it. I love how gothic it is, but it also looks very old, like very oh, old school. Yeah. It's uh, dusty, stuff. dude. Looks like you yeah. sneeze while sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so. I'm cracking myself up over here. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> after Bruce's sneezes while sleeping, uh, we get to Selena's uh, assassination attempt on Falcone. This is a look at her outfit where, you know, after wig, the wig comes off, her confrontation with Falcone, she basically looks like Selena from year one. Um, more of Selena's confrontation with Falcone here. Again, this all just looks very similar to what we got right down to, you know, the, the TV screen as she has the gun to Falcone here. Uh, another shot of her gun on Falcone, a slightly different take on it. Uh, and then uh, the next part is Batman hiding at the top of the elevator when uh, fighting the thugs that are at uh, Falcone's place. So Classic. Uh, classic shit. Uh, Riddler's apartment, again, looks pretty close to what we ended up uh, getting. If anything, they, they made it look even more uh, like a hoarder's place. You know, yeah, like it's, it's, yeah. This looks empty compared to what was actually in the movie and stuff. Uh, we get concept art of his computer, the carpet tucker that he used to kill the mayor. Uh, according to the Art of the Batman book, uh, there were some other real-life inspirations. Riddler's cipher derives from like different ancient languages and the Latin alphabet and stuff oh, cool. when they were creating the code, so that was cool. That's cool. Um, apparently, Riddler's journal, had, like the way that it was written, was inspired by artist Charles Crumb in terms of like, the, the oh. very compact writing. You ever you know Charles Crumb? I don't know that much about him, no. Okay, Crumb, there's a documentary called Crumb. And uh, I think that's the name of it anyway. But he's, you know, an American cartoonist, very cartoony, like kind of classic newspaper fucking, mm. you know, kind of drawings. But they're cool, though. It's like that classic Americana style. And mm. uh, but God, dude, I was in college or something and I'm watching the documentary and he had this one really uh, potent um, kind of saying in it. He was like, um you're just talking about Nike shirts, dude. And look, I'm wearing a graphic tee right now. We both are. But he was like, it's like everybody's wearing advertising. Mm. Like he's an older guy too. It's kind of before the times of graphic tees. But mm-hmm. still, like he was just like, just wear a plain shirt. Why do you need like a, another company's advertising on it? And that just really struck me at the time. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I kind of just want to wear shit of stuff I like. So mm-hmm. Uh, whatever, but it was just, he's kind of a deep thinker guy and he did a, uh, this is a total tangent, but we'll get back to the Batman shit in a second. <laughs> he fucking did a completely accurate comic portrayal of the book of Genesis. All the mm. bad stuff, like when I say bad, I'm talking about the rape and everything, but mm-hmm. like, it's like an unfiltered version of Genesis. I see. The first book of the Bible. Uh, in his cartoony style. So, like, that's kind of one of the bigger things he's known for these days, I think. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I wasn't too familiar with him, but uh, apparently that's that was the inspiration of what way the way the writing looked. It's uh, interesting they chose that. That's cool. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, the book also shares not only a shot of the journal entry that's, you know, that Gordon reads in the film about, like, my life has been a riddle, uh, but also, like, there's another journal entry that might have been helpful to put in the movie where he talks about how, like, he feels like he's living in hell and other people don't recognize it, and he sort of resents other people's stupidity for not recognizing it. And so he has this sort of growing <laughs> That's hatred. Great. That's great. Yeah. He has this growing hatred towards other people in the city because of how alone he feels, which could also add more perspective into him wanting to flood Gotham. Because I think one of the 
one of the flaws that you and I agree with is the fact that this flood of Gotham feels like it's it's not motivated by the Riddler, uh, from Riddler's perspective. Everything it's up until Falcone's of- death just... Is makes sense until the flood, which seems like it's out of nowhere. Out of his mo, and like I don't know if it was you or me that had the idea, but we were like maybe it was, uh, you know, think about like Q from QAnon, it like has a plan. Riddler has a plan, but then the QAnon mm-hmm. followers amp it up past what even he was thinking, and that could have been what the Riddler's henchmen have done. This is my thinking. Like the the henchmen amped it up. It was their idea to. Mm-hmm do the fucking um you know bombs and uh then riddler is like kind of look probably like looking at the movement like fuck what have i done kind of thing i don't know like it could have been a cool scene but he goes with it anyway because he Mm because he's a villain but like his movement gets out of his hand it's out of control really that could be that could be interesting if they had more exploration of this movement because it was kind of just like oh he's got a lot of followers or whatever and stuff and then suddenly it's like yeah he's got a whole bunch of copycats it's suddenly like revealed in like the final 30 minutes or so like but if, yeah. if it was like more planted that there was a movement and stuff and then that movement gets away from him that could have been interesting and that's something oh, that could yeah. also explore in the future not maybe not necessarily with riddler but like with another type of character like that you know if they do black mask and the false face society you know if, if they do anybody who has some sort of following or other influence on on others and, and stuff deacon blackfire and the cult like all that type of stuff they could potentially do something like that you know i mean yeah at that point the riddler's too far in he can't say if he backs mm-hmm. out and says that's not him that's my henchman his henchman will turn against him and he knows that so he'll uh you know um just go with it and just claim mm-hmm. it as him and the henchmen want them I would say they'd they'd want him to claim it, even though they thought of it. And you know what I mean? We're right. Talking about just the bombs here, so mm-hmm. that would have that would have helped ease us into that third act, right? I think. Yeah, I, I think we. There are different issues of the third act, but I, when it comes to the flood specifically, yeah, 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 there's a lack of motivation, uh, as well as the fact that it just it just feels like there's one too many scenes to get there. Yeah, as we've talked yeah. about before. And those scenes yeah. involve stuff that have been kind of already been done before, whether it's the villain turning himself in deliberately or Batman having a you know intense interrogation room scene with Riddler. I'm like, we could have, like, if you just changed, this is a great scene, by the way, with Pattinson and Dano in the interrogation room scene. I'm, I'm not saying cut that. I'm just saying move the location. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it doesn't yeah, have yeah, to yeah, be yeah. in there because otherwise, like, you, have, you put Batman with the main villain in the interrogation room, everyone's going to start comparing it to Dark Knight. Even though the story, the story purpose is a lot different in each one. Like, it, it just, I would just avoid the comparisons completely unless yeah. you absolutely have to do that. Batman interrogates his villains, though, you know. So, like, he does. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, so it's the, it's the setting specifically. If it was yeah, not in yeah. that setting, people would not have been making the comparisons to Dark Knight for that part. But because it's in an interrogation room, you know, like it, that's what comes up. So, anyway, yeah, oh, we'll I, get that. I get it. I get it. We also talked about how the diner that we saw in the movie is somewhat inspired by uh, Nighthawks, the Hopper painting. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was one also, of the most easily understood references. Yeah. 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 And also shown in the um, in year one as well. So that's confirmed in this. Uh, we get concept art of the stadium where if you actually look at if you look at the concept art, it looks pretty much like what we saw in the movie, except uh, Bella Real is white in this. Oh, yeah. So that's probably before they, uh, they cast the actress. Uh, concept art of the flood, um, or really just the yeah. This is like this looks like it's right before the water breaks uh, across Gotham. 
So we got that. Uh, we got Batman crashing through the skylight with a ton of uh, with a ton of glass following him. Our Patreon Patreon patron Halsey is not going to like this one. <laughs> Join the five dollar <laughs> tier to find out why. Uh, that's, that's, you know, you just gotta you just gotta let it go, man. I know. It's fine. <laughs> Somebody could shoot Batman's jaw with a sniper rifle. Also, know. you know, you just I gotta get let it Preaching go. The choir when it comes to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got tons of dart of Batman fighting Riddler copycats and saving people at the end. And I want to bring this up because we got a lot of different people talking to us about this in past episodes, and we insisted, uh, you know, what, what we end up are going to confirm now. But we have concept art of the syringe that Batman injects himself in order to save Selina. Oh, and shit. despite people theorizing that this was Venom, because the color was green and because there's a Venom story arc in which Batman uses Venom, uh, it literally says a shot of adrenaline straight to the system. Adrenaline is confirmed, everybody. We've been saying this since the release of the movie. This was not Venom. Even if Venom exists in this universe at this point, if they introduced Venom that way, that would have been a shitty way to introduce it from a writing perspective. There's nothing planted about it. There's no explanation yeah. on how he randomly just has this, like... It, just go with the simplest explanation, and that's what it is. Yeah, people just want it's just you know, comment. They want the comic love, book. They love yeah. Easter eggs. People love yeah. Easter eggs, but just you're finding, you're seeing patterns where there are none. You know. This, yeah. If they if it, if it was not colored green, I wonder if people would be saying the same thing. I think it might be specifically because it's the green color. A hundred percent, dude. There's if it was yeah. pink or some shit, it, no one would fucking bat an eye. If it was just clear, then people clear. would be like, oh, it's adrenaline. But for some reason, they did it green, and people were just like, oh, it's venom. I'm like, guys, it's no, not right now. It's not planted whatsoever at this point. If it is venom, yeah, it's just not planted well at all. And it's like no. a hell of, it just doesn't seem like they're going to hinge anything on that quick thing. You know yeah, what I mean? That they have not introduced whatsoever. Like, it'd be one yeah. thing if Alfred just like, okay, we got the supply from Santa Prisca over there. Only use this in emergencies. <laughs> and he hands him the syringe and stuff. And then we see it. Like, okay, like, maybe that could be Venom or something like that. But it's, it's just not planted at all that it would be Venom. So we kind of have to go with the more realistic thing. I'm which jacked. is what I'm it jacked is. now, Alfred. <laughs> uh, we got concept art of Batman helping the woman out of the stadium towards the end. Uh, and then this was interesting. Uh, I was not expecting. I, I realized that this was around. I just forgot that this was around. But there's concept art of the inside of Arkham Asylum. Again, this just looks like a, a still from the fucking movie at this point, <laughs> just because of how, uh, just how close this is. But there's also concept art of the Joker. Now, cool. It's just a smile or so. But I thought this was interesting because there's so little right now that we've seen of the Joker. And I kind of wish that they stuck with this whole man who laughs idea with the permanent, you know, smile and stuff rather than the chemical burn stuff. That scene that showed more of his design was deleted. So who knows, you know, maybe they will have a different look in the next one. I or, think we'll so. See. They, I, he might've gotten cold feet about the design or, yeah, that's I don't know. Too. Like it, it's just, I don't know. I don't we'll love see if it he looks either. that way in the next one. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I don't, Again, I'm not a huge fan of the scarred version of Joker. I wasn't a huge fan of it when it was Heath. So, like, yeah, uh, I'd rather it just be if it's just Barry Keown with like the permanent smile, Conrad Veidt, man who laughs style, and just put him in the the makeup. That's perfectly fine with me. You know, that's perfectly yeah. fine with me. If, I will say though, cut, you barely when see it anyway. When they're laughing at, at, at like when that scene ends mm -hmm. in the uh, in, in the movie. 
Yeah. I, I, I could just like visualize a comic panel with the like, ha ha oh, ha yeah. at the top. You know what I mean? I, I, one's I in could, green and one's in purple. Yeah. I could just totally <laughs> visualize it. Like that was pretty comic booky there. So yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I like that. Uh, concept art of Batman talking to Selena after she's visited her mom's grave. Uh, and then we get the introduction of the bat cycle again, pretty much what we got in the movie. Um, James Chinlin, who was part of this, uh, comments in the book uh, that there's kind of a deliberate design to make the back of it sort of bare. You kind of see the back of the bat cycle is, is sort of uh, just pointed. There's not much there to it. Uh, they said, quote, he wasn't really focused on any protection from the back because he's always driving forward. He's in pursuit. No one's chasing him. And so that was sort of the mission statement. You know, this kind of relentless hammer-like drive forward behind like the design of this. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, wow. All right. That's, so, uh, that's pretty interesting. <clears throat> that's the bat cycle. Well, that takes us to the end of the movie. However, uh, the book does give us some deleted concepts that I wanted to save towards the end. There's not a lot. Uh, we. It seems like this is a deleted scene, but it looks like this is the GCPD bullpen, not just the, the area where Batman wakes up and fights the cops. But, oh, dude, this is where they know. set up Gotham Central, baby. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah, bro. Yeah. So this is this is the uh, the bullpen of that. Another shot of this, and then the book also shows gadgets we did not get to see in the movie, specifically nunchucks, spring loaded nunchucks. <laughs> so we Batman did not get that. using nunchucks. I don't know why we did not get this because like we could have imagine if he used this in one of the fight scenes. That would have been awesome, especially a fellow if he, chucker, eh? If he knows what he's doing too. <laughs> You know. Oh man! I mean, if he's that would be smacking incredible. the Riddler guys in the in the face with this. You know, dude. You know, I'm down for that. Any Ninja Turtle type of weapons Batman <laughs> uses, I'm yeah. gonna be down for sure. Um, what I loved about the latest Cobra Kai is we got to saw we got to see Psy, the size. Oh yeah, yeah. With, uh, chosen, yeah. Fucking spoilers, but it's been a few weeks. But fucking like we've seen <laughs> Bo, we've seen Katana. Mm-hmm. And we've seen nunchucks like here and there, but Psy, dude, they got their fucking, he got like, we got to see a little bit more of that, which was cool. So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to see, I'd love to see any of this kind of, this kind of stuff. I mean, the, the 2012 Ninja Turtles animated, the CG one also introduced the, it's called a Kusarigama, like a, mm. like a oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. chain yeah. sickle thing. Michelangelo's mm-hmm. using that sometimes. Oh, that's and awesome. like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, to see any of these kind of, weapons used in this way i mean again mattson tomlin peter craig if you're out there uh you know let's try to add some of these things in there you know what i'm saying yes please i also like that it (laughs) it shows because it's not really evident that he's been trained by anyone other than alfred yet you know in in this universe and so like it kind of shows that i mean maybe alfred still taught him but it does show like an eastern influence on Ah, his fight yeah you got to yeah so uh, I want to say like. Shaolin moves too, Jap- ninja moves, but also Shaolin Kung yeah. Fu moves. Mm-hmm. That's the really that's the, that's the two major martial arts I want to see from yeah. ba- from Batman. <laughs> to be honest with you, dude. Uh, if he, <laughs> when I say mixed martial arts, I just want to be mixing those two. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. That yeah. we need to see a little bit more of the the Eastern influence. I think. Yeah. Uh, now, we know that the only battering we see in the movie is the one on his chest. However, as a final image, this is something that I thought was really cool in the art book. You see batarangs being made in the book. Sick. Concept art here. And they look pretty cool. They're different from what's on his chest. 
Uh, and so they've got these, I don't know, they got these little holes in, on these, the sides here and stuff. You kind of have to see it and stuff. And it looks like he's practiced throwing it into a, a concrete wall slab uh, on the right there. So uh, that's what we got for the, uh, for the batterings and stuff. So That's cool. <clears throat> now, I think since we're done with the art stuff, you wanted to talk a little bit more about, or I guess I wanted to talk a little bit more about the, um, the third act stuff. And stuff when it comes to the Batman. And I think I realized, because a lot of people have been talking or criticizing the detective work in the movie, and I, and I, I, I looked through it, and I, I think in order to judge the detective work done, you have to see it in terms of, like, is he realistically able to figure things out that the other characters and the audience are not able to figure out? And the answer is yes, he can. Um, I think what is missing is not necessarily his detective skills so much as something that is part of a lot of mystery stories structurally, but is not actually in the movie, which is when the detective turns the tables and reveals what he's figured out towards the end. You know, yeah. in the classic Agatha Christie, it's like, I've gathered you all here today because one of you is a murderer. And then, like, he ends, you know, Poirot's like ends up like citing like all the different clues and stuff. We don't necessarily need something like that, but I think we needed. Like we saw detective work, we just needed the world's greatest detective moment where he figures something out that the audience had no way of knowing. And for once, he flips the tables on Riddler because he's pretty much playing catch up to Riddler the entire movie, even in the third act and stuff. So I think we needed that yeah. moment. Uh, yeah. As we talked about before, the flood is not motivated. Uh, so that's an issue. Uh, <clears throat> and then I think... Uh, was the other thing? Those were those were kind of the the main things that have been that I've been thinking about. And oh yeah, the other thing is that the action sequence against the Riddler copycats it's it's mostly good. The thing is, it's just it feels like it falls flat in some weird way, and it always kind of you're has talking about the way. fight scene with the Riddler henchman. The Riddler henchman, yeah, towards the end, like it, this is the final fight, and like yeah, you'd expect it to happen. And I think one of the reasons why it might fall flat compared to say you know, the warehouse scene, uh, or even my favorite action sequence from The Dark Knight, which is him in the abandoned building and all the hostages are actually, uh, people who look like their hostages are actually the henchmen and all the people who look like the henchmen are the hostages and he has yeah. to take out the SWAT team, like all that type of stuff requiring yeah. some intellect, but it's just, there are like heavy stakes on the line in that sequence in Dark Knight where like people will die if he doesn't do anything. And yeah. we get that a little bit in here, but it's mostly him just duking it out with a bunch of guys. Yeah. There's not really a case of, oh, uh, you know, guy's got a gun on somebody and he has to save. Like, it's, it's a little more fight, a little less saving people. And I realize that's part of the arc, but we're also in the fucking third act at that point. So here are some things that I've considered. One thing is that uh, when you get to the point where Batman has captured Falcone and Falcone says, everything that I know is going to die with me and I take that to the grave stuff from that point on things could be slightly different i think from that point on batman actually does have enough information to predict what's coming and that's where you can get the world's greatest detective moment so after falcon says that maybe batman thinks thinks over like his thoughts and then we cut to the outside the police are bringing out falcon and stuff batman is not with them they bring him out they quote unquote bring him into the light uh we see a sniper about to take out falcon and then batman stops him and then you're just like, okay, how did he know that was going to be there? And that would be sweet, yeah. yeah. And so that's where World's Greatest Detective comes in. 
because I'm like, at what point does Bat do we have enough clues that Batman could have reasonably been able to prevent something? Because like, you can't realistically say that Batman would have been able to prevent the flood in the context of the movie, outside of just like maybe finding out it was a carpet tuck beforehand, opening it up, and then getting the message about the flood. Like, that's, I mean, he's going after the Riddler. He's trying to find the main guy, not the henchman. Again, we're yeah. going off my idea, kind of mixed in yeah, with this. Yeah, it would kind yeah. of make sense there as well, right? Yeah, yeah. But but here, I'm just like. Here he might have enough clues if we play it from the world's greatest detective angle. So Gordon's like, how the hell do you know there's going to be a sniper up there? And Batman brings up a few things. One is the fact that every picture that Riddler has sent them has been from the same angle from above the Iceberg Lounge, which means that Riddler has had some access to that vantage point in order to spot on the Iceberg Lounge. That does not necessarily mean that he lives there. It just means that uh, he's had some access to there. The other part was the, the whole riddle, to bring the rat into the light. And every single time that they've tried to follow the riddles, the riddler's been one step ahead of him. He wanted to turn the tables and stuff. And he knows that there are lights outside the Iceberg Lounge. So he realizes that something could happen to Falcone, especially given how angry Riddler is yeah. at Falcone and stuff, that uh, Riddler could potentially attack. So we get that aspect too. So I can see Batman could realistically stop Falcone's murder in this one. Because like, really, we need Falcone out of the picture. But we don't necessarily need him dead in this movie. For the maybe movie whenever he's looking, whenever he uh, knocks on the door to yeah. the Iceberg Lounge, maybe we just get a quick shot of him looking at the looking outside. Yeah, or when he's walking. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah we, he's so, like so he's no, it out and he sees the lights. He's noticing yeah. the lights at that point. That would have been a cool little quick. You don't at first at first glance it seems like uh, mm -hmm. it seems like he's just kind of you know just doing a simple glance. You know what I mean? But that yeah. fucking is something. You know, yeah. to the story, yeah. which will be exactly with this later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it becomes like the most important thing. So that that shot of him like slowly walking up the iceberg lounge and stuff, instead of that just kind of being for atmosphere, that actually becomes an important story point because then he sees the, you know, he's scoping out the outside of it, and then later on when he's explained to Gordon, you could even do the flash cuts to like whatever the clues because the clues were in front of us all along that type of thing. Uh, yeah. So he brings that up to Gordon. And Gordon's like, well, it doesn't matter much now because we got the bastard. And Batman's like, that's not Riddler. The sniper's not Riddler. Uh, right. And the reason why he knows is because the guy does not physically match the guy he saw at the funeral. Remember, he looked up and he saw that everyone else was running away and there was one guy who was yeah. running. And yeah. he knows what that guy... He doesn't know what he looks like facially, but he kind of knows the build. And this guy does not match the build at all, which means that it's someone else and stuff. And that sort of already plants this whole, like... Riddler follower movement type of stuff, you know? So mm -hmm. uh, that's, I think we need some sort of world's greatest detective type aspect for that. And then for the finale uh, and stuff, one in terms of the action sequence, I think instead of them necessarily being on one area, I think if we have the Riddler followers more spread out, then we can incorporate A, the glider, B, <laughs> People are in different areas, and so Batman is specifically saving, follow me here, families who are about to get gunned down. He is yeah. specifically, instead of being the guy who beats down the Joe Chills of the world who have already shot the families, he's the guy saving the families and stuff. So we have kind of like him seeing the families in danger, the guns towards him. He takes off in the glider. Then it's then he's basically beating the shit out of them, but also saving people at the same time. I think I brought up the very first time we did the review where like we kind of have like action, action, action of him beating a whole bunch of guys up and then realizing he's got to save everybody and then saving people. It was kind of just like a weird 
here's one box, here's the other box. Oh, yeah, I agree. It's felt like studio mandate kind of thing yeah. again, which is they handled it well enough. But, mm -hmm. yeah, it was like we have our little fight scene and we got a little save scene. Right. Yeah, I think, right. yeah, they were too, uh, they were too separate. Combine it instead. Like, you could combine it. You could still have the moment where, you know, at, when everything's over, where, you know, after he saves Selena and stuff, then he takes out the you know, the the, uh, the electricity and all that and start saving people from there too, but also saving people in oh, the action dude, sequence if he increases the drama. Somehow turned off the light and shit became real fucking that's another, dark. That's another thing I was thinking too. I, was, <sighs> I, I fucking batarang to the fucking light and then like, where'd he go? You know, that classic shit and fucking he, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he glides in, yeah, but he doesn't glide towards them. He glides towards the electricity thing, then takes out the lights. And then, then it's all darkness. Then we get the part from early in the Iceberg Lounge where the whole thing is lit by the, the fucking uh, the gunshots and stuff. We get that here leading up to like the big, big fight and stuff. Instead of a big and maybe some fighting, but like a lot more stealth stuff, too. And like, you know, fucking like. Yeah, because the, he's got the cover of darkness. The ca right yeah, he uses the cape to choke dudes out and shit. Mm -hmm. It would be. Yeah, that would be. See. The thing is, though, it's so much easier to correct a script know, than to write it wholesale. Yep. You know, we're jackasses on the internet. <laughs> we're not basically saying like they should just do whatever the fuck we said. These guys are idiots. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, These guys yeah. did a, pulled off a miracle pulling this off. We don't yeah, know what, yeah. how much was studio mandates, how many rewrites were there, what was in the original third act. We're just saying like to address certain issues that people have brought up after the fact. I think we needed the world's greatest detective moment where yeah. he turns the tables, and yeah. we needed more stakes in that action sequence. And then when it comes to the actual motivation, we've had different, you know, opinions or, or ideas off of that. I think you had the follower thing. I think um, I've read some uh, other ideas Would have been so much well. better. Yeah, like I've read other ideas on it. But like it, basically you need some sort of motivation for that. I think in the, the $5 Patreon, I brought up the idea of like the new mayor, her family is actually connected to the orphanage. And so like she's the last target. And it's basically like, well, you won the, you know, being mayor, but my present to you is that you inherit nothing. You inherit nothing of, of the city because you have, you know, I'm flooding yeah, the city, yeah. so there's nothing there and stuff. And Batman figures out as well. Here's something that could uh, also show up is that Batman sees that the Real family was in charge of the orphanages and stuff, then knows that Riddler is going to try to assassinate her over there. He doesn't know yet about, like, how many followers are going to be there. He just knows that there's going to be an assassination attempt. And that distracts him from seeing the whole flood thing. You can still have, like, Martinez be like, this is a carpet tucker, and then they, like, undo the thing, and then they figure out that the flood's going to happen and stuff. But Batman is so concerned about uh, stopping the assassination of the mayor and then confronting Riddler there that uh, he doesn't, he's not able to stop the flood because he's just too busy doing other shit. Oh, and Riddler you know? should have been there too, right? That's that the was other another yeah. idea. Riddler, yeah. this is something that I've taken umbrage with since I saw the first saw it the first time. Yeah. I, I just... You, you, it's the final level, dude. You need the mm -hmm. final boss there yeah. physically. I know yeah. he's there in spirit with his QAnon followers, but mm -hmm. God, I just, it's like, you know, Bane was, you know, in the middle of the fights, you know, yeah. Yeah. not that Riddler's no, sure. fighting, but like maybe he's surrounded by a bunch of do his followers with fucking, you know, his Bob the goon type characters, like AK 47s. Like he's like this in the stronghold somewhere in that area. But mm -hmm. Like we said before in our other rewrites, he should have uh, he should have like gotten away as soon as those bombs were going off. Like when he's being arrested, 
maybe mm. the bombs go off there and mm. then the cops are like what the fuck and you know get distracted by bombs going off in the city like oh you got lucky this time enigma or whatever yeah or nashton and fucking some yeah. something along those lines then he escapes then he shows up again at, in the final act right yeah yeah and, and again like if we if we're following we're kind of we're, we're spitballing all these different ideas if, if we're going off the idea that he hasn't even caught and stuff that's even easier right where it's even easier he's 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 there we have the confrontation between batman and riddler that was in the interrogation room but we have it you know, over the stadium and stuff. And Batman knows this is Edward Nashton and stuff. And he can even like do detective shit and be like, I know who you are, Edward Nashton. You were born such and such and, and all this type of stuff. I know what you're doing and all those do you things. Think that would he be, thinks he's figured it out. You think that would be as good that if it's like in, the, in, in an open air like that in front of all of his henchmen? Maybe that'll be kind of cool though, right? That'd be kind of I don't cool. know if he sees the henchmen yet. Maybe the henchmen are revealed after the flood, especially when like the flood <sighs> might be just a signal to start things yeah. to start killing people uh, and all that. Cause the, like they wait till after the flood in the movie anyway, cause they want all the people there. So he so, like, says, he says, you will inherit nothing, Batman. Fucking immediately, you know, and the remember fucking... we also in the $5 Patreon, we had the idea of like when Batman first sees all the Riddler followers, they're all chanting. I'm vengeance. see (laughs) we needed that too i forgot about that we needed that because that's like the ultimate like that completes his arc he sees Mm -hmm. i mean i think they accomplished this in the movie as is they they do where he's he sees like he has to save people he has to save selena that really hits home for him i think that's kind of what it is but if he sees these douchebags using his fucking line that was Mm -hmm. badass to us as an audience also in the beginning flip Mm -hmm. that fucking shit on its head then with this with the henchman saying it god dude this is one of those moments where it pains me Madison Tomlin, Tom Thompson. What's your fucking name? Tomlin. Tomlin. <laughs> please, please, fucking do something They're like this. They're all chanting, "I'm vengeance." He sees guns literally on families, on mothers and fathers and children, and he realizes he has to be something more. And he takes off in that fucking glider, and he starts kicking ass because he's here to save people. He's not vengeance. Fuck anymore. yeah, dude. He's I a mean, savior. Yes. We've saved the script retroactively. <laughs> Retroactively, yes, jackasses on the internet who had no part in this movie, but yes, I just take it. But also, we've had like months to think about it. Like that too, that <laughs> the, too. Yeah, fucking like I'm sure if we if we if we had gotten this script and yeah. from from uh, Peter Craig and Tomlin, we uh, our first read through be like well, that was pretty damn good, man. No notes. <laughs> and then, yeah, I know. Like the first read the first read through, but then you like yeah. you know sit with it for a bit. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it, it's so easy for us to be in this position that we're in to, to, to do that. And it's easy for you guys in the comments to, to have that, too. But it's, I think it's still a worthy exercise because then it's just like, well, could this have actually worked? Could they have had that? I think strengthening the world's greatest detective aspect, strengthening the motivation of the flood, uh, tightening up uh, the, uh, the third act as well cuts down on the runtime. Even though, like, the movie's not even that much longer than The Dark Knight Rises, but because once you hit, like, three hours, that feels different versus saying it's two hours and 49 minutes, you know? Like, it does. It still hits differently when you tell people that. But you could have gotten a little close to Dark Knight Rises' length um, by cutting certain things down, and then we kind of avoid Dark Knight, uh, you know, comparisons by not having that scene in the interrogation room, and then we have just sort of a stronger 
action sequence in the final thing. Um, my last thing, and I know I've brought this up before in the $5 Patreon, is that uh, this will be the last idea before we, before we close, but <laughs> I, I was thinking what would be cool is, is in, if we're completely rewriting earlier parts of the movie, when Batman crashes Penguin's car, Penguin's eye and his leg are fucked up. Oh, yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, look what you did to me, <laughs> and yeah. stuff off the whole time. And the next time you see him, he's like, you know, waddling. Like, that's, he, he is the waddle in the beginning of the movie, but like, what if Batman gives him the waddle and stuff? And then, like, at the end, he's got the full waddle. He's using that umbrella as a cane as he's stepping into the flood soaked office of Falco to take over. And he's got the monocle for that eye that got all fucked up. And, and like got the full that's the penguin evolution that they've been talking about. They're like, it's an evolution. Let's fucking see it. Let's have that happen. And pain is worse and cold a lot of the time. So the colder he gets, Every it reminds when it's cold. I think of the bat. Yeah, you'll remember yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, oh, man. let us know what you guys think on that. Again, it's very easy for us to to sit here and be like, oh, this is what they should have done instead. You know, it is it's very different compared to actually being on set and coming up with those ideas and, and uh, you know, tightening things up. And again, this is this is a movie that we both really, really enjoyed. I think it's one of the top Batman movies still. And uh, no criticism people have brought up have really changed my mind about it, even though I think some of them are legit and others are just fucking made up. But well, it's the Internet. It's bunch that's the full Internet. Of, full yeah. of a bunch of fucking jackasses that are other jackasses. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, on that note, that is superhero stuff you should know. Big thanks to our research assistant, Dan, for gathering the many visuals for this YouTube experience. He saved me a ton of time on this one, <laughs> for real, uh, on these. So thank you, Dan, uh, for this. You pretty much gathered mostly everything uh, on this for this one. Uh, let's look at some of the comments. First is from Sparkageddon, our friend Sparkageddon318. What's up, superhero stuff? I love this deep dive on Billy D. Williams's Two-Face. Check out that episode if you haven't already. Uh, It'll, it would have been cool in the 90s if we did have a black Two-Face and black Robin. Tim Burton would have been the first to do swap heroes and villains to keep you all... Oh, race swap the heroes and villains, I think he means. To keep you all updated on my... Uh, so Spark Geddon has been updating us on his uh, fan fiction uh, called Batman Shadows of New Orleans. Uh, it looks like it's a screenplay, and uh, basically the, the cast is, you know, what if every, everyone was black? In there. So one night I was in my room smoking some kush, writing my screenplay. <laughs> All the best ideas come that way. <laughs> Indeed, it's a Donner, Donner chronic. Donner chronic. And Ben, got, you came to my We got Superman mind. 78 thanks to weed, yeah. dude. <laughs> let's, not, let's not forget that. It's Donner's literally smoking a joint and is like, they're a similitude, baby. <laughs> ben, you came to my mind to be in my universe. Like Batman 89 reporter Alexander Knox, you are a New Orleans reporter. I've actually never been to New Orleans, funny enough. Uh, I have yet, when I was a kid. It's, it's cool, dude. It's a really so, cool town. It looks like I am a New Orleans reporter who's trying to learn the legends of Batman being real, and you team up with my female friend named Dion Paisley, where she's a mixture of Vicky Vale and Chase Meridian. The funny part about your character at first, Batman don't like you. Uh-oh, because he hates when you call him a cosplay character. <laughs> I even <laughs> added Andrew as an Easter egg at times. All right, well. Thank uh, you, man. I, That's awesome. I, maybe uh maybe you can be another reporter too 
on that. We'll see. Yeah, uh, on that. It depends on what, what your story is. Some together, dork in glasses shows <laughs> up. <laughs> but uh, we have evolved. We're evolving into the next stage where uh, people are writing fan fiction about us. Oh, so man, the time this is my my dream in life <laughs> <laughs> so thank you spark again uh next thank comes you. from Slashman exe two comments actually on our deep dive into the wayne murders um i'll read it from bottom to top actually i remember data banks data banks saying bruce watched the 20s zorro in the golden age later changed the 40s zorro to age him down and then changed to an amalgamation to no longer associate it with a time frame it sounded super believable, but I suppose one of the reasons for this topic was to debunk those myth- myths. I just accepted it as fact without checking back in the comics. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the whole Batman saw Zorro as a kid when uh, his parents were killed pretty much comes from Frank Miller in the 80s. Uh, as fitting as Nosferatu and The Man Who Laughs would be, keep in mind those were X-rated horror films that a child most definitely would not see in the 20s. Uh, that's a decent point. I'd have to look into uh, like what kids would be allowed to see at that time. Uh, Zorro's still the best movie in my eyes because of how critical the character was behind the scenes. Robin Hood applies as well, but he has a deeper association with Robin, who is now just primarily known for the bird instead. Yeah, <laughs> I would say so. Uh, also, the Waynes definitely watched Footlight Frenzy in 89. I rewatched the scene, and they're holding the playbill for the show, which also confirms that they saw a musical and not a film, which mm. also means they predated Nolan in making it more of a, a live stage show that they saw rather than a movie. Uh, it's nearly impossible to find info on the Footlight Frenzy movie, but it was a TV movie and thus never played in theaters, so Monarch Theater was a performance venue. Thank you, wow. Slash Man, for that. Hell of a deep dive on that part yeah. of it. Also, <laughs> like being a theater thing, it does it kind of in more fitting with a with a rich family. With a rich family, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure on that. So, like, I I can see that. Uh, Daniel Diaz says, says, "Here's my fan casting of Sam Ham's Watchmen, Robin Williams as Rorschach." The man could have easily played scary and intimidating. Just see one-hour photo and goodwill. You know what? God, that what would have been think? so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, My, dude, his best, his best role to me is goodwill hunting, but he was oh, in yeah. so many good movies. Uh, the only issue I have with a recognizable face as, as Rorschach is that you can't really do the whole, like, oh, it was the homeless guy who was behind the mask type of thing. Even though it's already kind of obvious. Uh, and stuff like it's it's more obvious if you've got Robin Williams holding the the end is nice sign for like part of it, and you're just like, come on, I know that guy's, you know, I know that's worse. Yeah, show. but it, for they us, they could have found Wesley in yeah. the in the movie. I mean, I don't know. It's not that's not the worst choice. I it, feel they like. could have also just revealed it. They didn't have to make it a mystery. Like I, yeah. I'm not saying that that this wouldn't work at all just because of that. I'm just saying like you would change it to be like you see the guy with the, the sign. He sees yeah. like the comedian's smiley face button looks up and then you know, cut to the alley and he dons the mask and you already know it's him. Right, right, you know? right. Because like they're going to know. like It's Robin Williams. Everyone's going to recognize him. So you might as well. And also then you know you wouldn't have to disguise his voice too much if he didn't want to. Right. So that's my solution if, if we were to cast a big, scar, big star in that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig T. Nelson as Night Owl can play the everyman. Plus he kind of looks like the character. Just give him some Clark Kent glasses. That's a good idea. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis as Silk Spectre because why not sure uh, Tom Atkins as the comedian see Night, Night of the Creeps um, this is interesting because the comedian probably would not have gone to a major major actor considering that they don't really do the flashbacks of the comedian in the movie in the Sam Hamm script so like, oh, it would have just right. been the opening then get killed off so you didn't really need like a major name so somebody like Tom Atkins probably would have worked right uh, Arnold as Dr. Manhattan <laughs> He had the build. It was a big enough name to have brought people into the cinema. 
<laughs> Guys, please send us audio of Arnold doing the lines from Dr. Manhattan. This is something I need to hear in order to accept this idea. I know, please, man. That's the audio clips. Superhousepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> please please email, email us an yeah. audio clip. Uh, David Bowie as Adrian Veidt, suave and sophisticated. Yeah, like that's the, that's that's the role I thought uh, Sam Hamill was going to tell us that he wanted in that. But uh, also, he could have done a song or two for the soundtrack. Sick, probably. Yeah, Bowie is actually uh, not Bowie himself, but a uh, somebody who's supposed to be Bowie actually shows up in the opening of Snyder's Watchmen. I've been rewatching it recently, actually. Oh, wow. uh, and uh, he shows up in the same scene as Ozymandias first shows up. He's like in okay. the background because it's like a shot of Man is doing his photo shoot in front of Studio 54. And then you see like, uh, I think it's he's in his uh, Ziggy Stardust phase, uh, Bowie in the background. That's cool. So he's in there. So, so I, don't, I don't know if that's a deliberate reference to Bowie wanting to be part of Watchmen, but he's in there. Bowie's first song on his first oh, album, yeah. he does mention Batman, and I think Batman comics even. Mm-hmm. Um, check it out. It's before... It's before Bowie started to be cool. It's like okay album, but uh, yeah, first <laughs> song, first album. Yeah. yeah, it's just British, yeah. like that kind of early British pop, but not. I like mm-hmm. the Beatles and and stuff like that, but I don't know. Just check it out. It's cool. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Moving further. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, On to the fan shoutouts. Oh man, every time it catches me off guard, dude. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, thank you everybody up here. Too much fun. This, yeah, this is our one dollar tier uh, board here. Uh, some newcomers uh, include Kevin R, Derek O, Mark M, and Carter. Thank you, everybody, on there, and our other supporters as well, also on the board. Uh, and then uh, we also want to thank. Uh, we also want to let you know about uh, Patreon.com/slash Superhero Stuff Pod. One dollar tier gets you on the board there. Uh, the shout out and the five dollar tier gets you the whole other show brought up a few times already in this episode but it's a whole mm-hmm. other show uh every every friday um this show right now is free on youtube every monday and then we have every friday show uh for five dollars cancel anytime binge it if you want uh and yeah then the ten dollar tier gets you the one and five dollar tier benefits plus a monthly meetup uh where we meet in a zoom like call and we have we shoot the shit with fans and have a topic at hand and discuss news, comic book movie news and things like that. And uh, yeah, those are our tiers. And then we uh, have our ever dwindling merge <laughs> on Redbubble. <laughs> this is funny every week, man. So Superhouse Pod at Redbubble, SuperhousePod.redbubble.com, Superhero Stuff Pod.threadless.com. Ben Man, Zachiel, Indeed, Wizard, Mug, Shirt, Shower, Curtains, and all the rest. Artwork by Steph and Santa Cruz. And then please send us that audio like we just said to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter is me. Thunderwolf Lives on YouTube is also me. Uh, and then Amano Recon. It's out, everybody. A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. We have the full three-minute thing. Plus, uh, meet the creators kind of thing after that. Uh, it's an Indiegogo campaign. Uh, and it's basically R-rated Power Rangers meets Stranger Things. Think of those. Think of that kind of tone. And, uh, yeah, Indiegogo is like GoFundMe, but for art projects and for films and things like that. So we're doing a campaign now for 60 days. Actually started a week ago. And um, we are still trying to fund it. So if you 
have it in your heart in this last day of spooky season and the (laughs) season season of giving Mm -hmm. uh you know please uh check it out um we should have the link in the description for our indiegogo campaign and uh yeah you'll see a a pitch video right there see kind of where we're headed and uh yeah this poster is by zachary jackson brown art jack.com and my last thing is I have Gaming Guide and another podcast I do. And it's, we mainly interview in this. It's a seasonal one. It's going to be 10 episodes. Um, episode three dropped today. And it is uh, mainly uh, interviewing um, Japanese to English translators in the video game world. So uh, check it out. That's it. Ben? Nice. Uh, shout out to Comic Capital on Instagram as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Superhouse Pod, Instagram, Superhero Stuff Pod, TikTok, Superhero Stuff Pod, Vero, Superhero Stuff Pod. My website is benwanrider.com, where you can read my Gotham script called Gotham Vampire, where young Bruce faces off against the Mad Monk, as well as my spec script for Elementary called The Death of Sherlock Holmes, a modern update on the classic story, The Adventure of the Dying Detective, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland, the Curb episode they could never make, where Larry David goes to Disneyland and hates it. Uh, my YouTube channel is in the description below where you can check out Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, which also features a Kurosagama sickle. Oh, sweet. Uh, so, as you brought up. Nice, so, nice, uh, nice. Basically, the eighth doctor uh, meets Miyamoto Musashi while he faces off against uh, the guy who had that sickle. So, Sick. uh, check that out if you haven't already. And uh, my Instagram is Ben Juan Ryder. My cat's Instagram is Alfie at Alfie Pennyworth Cat on Instagram. And um, if you have an Alfie yourself or a Peanut who had a cameo in this, then you can get the Whisker Box, the only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent. And that is something that we have a promo code or a link to somewhere. We 100% do, 100% (laughs) somewhere. Um, And then um, if you have a dog instead of a cat, that's okay too, because you can get the Bark Box, the only, I mean, (laughs) the only (laughs) dog box with a crazy dog lady and gent. Indeed. But, yeah. Uh, you can get the uh, basically our promo link valued at $35 uh, is the first month off free. And so you can use that. And that link is available at superherostuffpod.com slash shop where you can get all sorts of other shit. The Dark Knight Returns, a Keaton Batman Funko, the Boy Who Loved Batman book from one of our special guests, Michael Uslan, as well as the giant Batman 80th anniversary book. Of concept art from other movies, except for The Batman, of course, because that was released before the movie even came out. So check that out, superherostuffpod.com slash shop. Back to Andrew. Oh, man. So uh, we want you to do us a favor. We want you to tell all your friends about it.